Hello and welcome to Rev Dive. For those of you who are new to the podcast, um, we use this space to kind of hear from and share with healthcare leaders inside and outside of the revenue cycle. I am so, so excited about our guest today, um, who is Kevin Dedner. He is the founder and CEO of Hurdle Health. Kevin is also the author of The Joy of the Disinherited, Essays on Trauma, Oppression, and Black Mental Health. Kevin, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me, Kim. It's <laughs> great to be here. Kevin, you are an amazing visionary and a leader. And I'm so glad that, that you're able to share your expertise with our, our Rev Divers today. And you know, with so many challenges that um, individuals are facing, just kind of taking a step forward to address mental health, it really ensures that we have a healthier population. And finding and collaborating with mental health service providers, it really kind of paves the way um, for addressing gaps in care. Um, can you tell us about the unique approach that Hurdle has taken to virtual therapy services? Yeah, well, first of all, Kim, let me just pause and thank you for saying such uh, kind things about me. And I also just want to um, acknowledge the, the role that you played in the birth of our company. Um, you know, our company is three years old, and you were one of the very first persons I sat down with to really help me um, understand how I could go about getting a network and working with payers. I came to the work incredibly naive, but very well aware that the people who we wanted to serve, um, there were a lot of barriers that we needed to overcome and the ability um, to pay, um, the ability to, for insurance to be accepted, um, I saw as like a, a critical point for us. And, and you know, that hypothesis um, has proved true. So I, I just wanna thank you for the work that you did in helping point us in the right direction. Uh, you'll be excited to know that we've, we've actually just closed our first national contract um, last week and we're in, and we should close two more within the next couple of weeks. So super excited about the foundation that you and, and proud of the foundation that you helped us lay. Um, yeah, so you, you know, I'm grateful. Uh, I'm sorry. I just said, thank you <laughs> yeah. My pleasure to be a part of that. Yeah. So, you know, at Hurdle, we face a hard truth. And that hard truth is that the mental health care system was not designed for everyone, that we have a system that was really designed for one segment of our population, that for far too long, mental health has been a luxury and a privilege. And so at Hurdle, you know, what we do, you know, really differently, number one, we've always been 100% virtual, even before the pandemic. Um, is we train our therapists in an evidence-based technique that helps them develop more cultural humility and cultural responsiveness. Uh, in the states that we operate in, we try to be in network with um, the major payers there, um, but, and, and, but we also accept members, you know, who are willing to pay out of pocket. So, you know, really what our model is about is about cultural humility and cultural responsiveness 
we're seeing our clients persist two to three times the national historical average, which is incredibly uh, important because, you know, although we know minorities were, are, are, have been more likely to experience mental health problems, they've been less likely to, to access care. And of those who did move forward in care, we've seen at least 50% of those persons terminate therapy prematurely because of the lack of provider fit, because of the lack of therapeutic alliance between the client and the provider. So in this way, we're super proud of, you know, the early uh, uh, results that we're seeing in our company and really excited about growing a national company that, you know, meets the needs of everyone's mental health. Yeah. And, you know, that's so important right now with making sure that we're touching the people who actually need these services. Now, I want to I want to kind of switch gears a little bit and talk about authorship. And I remember when I was pumping gas and you and I were kind of sharing, um, you know, our thoughts about authorship. And it's a huge milestone for both of us, particularly your book. And, I, you know, I want to hear from you, and I know that our audience would love to hear um, some insight on the message that your your book has for for the for the world. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for acknowledging um, my book. You know, you 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 wrote a book, so you know what um, incredible discipline it takes, and you know what a sacrifice it is. Um, my book was, or, or is, I should say, a continuation of my work in mental health. It, I think it further cements the purpose of our company. It helps me articulate with a more precision why I started the company. And really, more importantly, um, how oppression and trauma um, and, and I should even go so far to say continued oppression impacts the mental health of people of color in this country. And so my, my book is you know, written through my own personal lens as a black man from you know, the American South, and sometimes I'll even call it the antebellum South. And I tell stories about me and my family and how you know, we've experienced life and how that impacts our mental health. And, you know, I think this, this as I said, further cements like why we need companies like Hurdle, why we need to acknowledge the fallacies in the mental health system, you know, um, and, and in that way, you know, it's a vulnerable offering um, for people who, who want to understand more. And certainly in this moment that we're in, where people are trying to understand um, the black experience um, better, you know, like on the heels of the pandemic, on the heels of the social and civil unrest we saw following the murder of George Floyd. I think it's super important that we assign narrative to these stories. Yeah. And, you know, that that's powerful. Um, and what we're seeing across the, the nation is mental health services just, they're, they're really being prioritized more so um, now as, you know, before the pandemic. We're even seeing CMS um, increasing reimbursement for telehealth, 
for behavioral health services. Um, we're, we're seeing floods of therapists um, coming into you know, the workplace, which is fantastic. Um, what, what's also interesting is CMS recently, well, last year, they, they definitely saw the, the telehealth originating site um, waivers um, as a priority in mental health services. More so, it, what, what's fascinating is the office visits haven't been um, approved yet permanently for telehealth visits, um, but mental health services have. That shows, um, I, I think, to anyone who is really looking at the priority of mental health services, that really kind of shows that mental health services are being prioritized. How do, you, how do you see this prioritization of mental health services impacting the future of the mental health landscape? Yeah, that's a great question. And first of all, I think you know all too well just a few short years ago uh, what a challenge it was to get reimbursed for virtual visits. You know, we, we had major payers saying to us that they didn't do virtual therapy uh, and, you know, the, I think one of the, the pandemic has obviously been devastating in so many ways, but one of the gifts of the pandemic, I think, is that the advancement of technology and the advancement of our thinking in how to serve people. Um, and so in this way, you know, we've seen, you know, things like originis, originating sites be waived. And, and I think that teletherapy and, and telehealth rather are really here to stay. And I think that when we start to think about like our shortage, our work supply shortage, we start to think about geographical shortages, um, that there are real solutions in telehealth. And particularly in the mental health field, um, we know that we have a shortage of professional therapists. We know that we also can have a shortage of minority therapists, less than 4% of the therapists in the country are people of color. And what we've seen the last year, um, the last two years rather, is what we call the largest increase in treatment seeking behavior among minorities. And so if we want to be able to um, serve the needs of people, um, you know, telehealth, teletherapy are, are going to be an important part of that. And, you know, I anticipate that we'll see a lot more policy and regulation change. You know, I'm also super anxious to see, you know, what states will do around reciprocity of licensing, you know, what, how payers will begin, um, you know, to work together um, across state lines, you know, like some, some of the payers, I, I think, can work together much better to make it easier to process claims. And so I think we have a lot of work to do, but the truth is we've made some really significant advancements just within the last 16 to 18 months. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so one thing that, that I have been able to see firsthand is your, your leadership and I, I definitely view you as a visionary leader. Um, the, the way that I've seen you move through problems and identify solutions, build teams, um, 
that is, it was very remarkable to, to witness and to be a part of. But I also see how important that is to healthcare leaders, to revenue cycle leaders, um, folks who are dealing with frontline workers, who are, you know, trying to make sure that patients are safe, um, you know, through COVID-19. Um, you have been able to push through a lot of obstacles and um, you've also been able to lead teams successfully. Um, what advice would you give to leaders who are trying to right now kind of keep their eye on the prize during adversity? Well, first of all, thank you for um, the kind things you said. Um, you know, and I want to answer your question in two ways. First of all, I think, you know, the thing that motivates me so much, Kim, is um, my own suffering, my own depression. And I heard a quote once, now um, paraphrase the quote a bit, it said that once you become aware of your own suffering and you're able to do something about it, then you realize that so many others around you are suffering. And so, you know, after my depression and after overcoming my depression, I think, you know, um, God gifted me with this lens of seeing mental health issues, of seeing it in everyday people who at face value appear to have it all together. But, you know, because of this lens uh, that I have, I know, I know that to be different. And so, you know, that is the thing that motivates me because I do think that, you know, we, we've just not created the infrastructure in, in our culture to support people's mental health. And so part of my motivation is to, to be on the side of, you know, really normalizing mental health and normalizing people accessing mental health and taking better care of their minds, uh, their bodies, but not only their minds. And so what I would say to leaders in this regard is, you know, at our company, um, I'm always very clear with people that there will always be this tension of between work-life balance. In fact, I don't even like the term balance anymore. I'm leaning more toward integration. And so what I, I encourage people to do is to, you know, all particularly leaders, to number one, acknowledge the tension that you're asking people to do things that take them away from their family, that take them away from sometimes the things that they enjoy doing, right? And you always need more of them as a leader, but you should give them the grace to make sure that they take good care of themselves. And I think if you just acknowledge this tension, you'll be surprised what people will be willing to do. People won't take advantage of the offering to take the grace that they need or the space that they need in fact, I think it frees them up to, to work a little bit more liberally for you because they can figure out like, oh, I do need to take the rest that I need. We're, we've been on a, a tremendous stressful period. Um, all of us are you know, suffering from you know, um, anxiety, um, you know, unpredictability. Our lives have been so unpredictable the last couple of years. And I think anyone, any leader who doesn't acknowledge that are doing themselves a disservice. Wow, great advice, acknowledge it. Wow, work-life 
integration. Oh my gosh. These are great, great thoughts. Kevin, thank you so much for being with us today. Like, it, and it's also really good to see you also. You, you're, you're thriving. Um, I'm, I'm so happy for you and I'm so happy for the, the team that you've built and the, the great work that, that you and your team are doing at Hurdle. So thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Kim. I'm grateful for you as well. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Rev Divers, for joining us today. Until we meet again, Rev Divers, keep diving into those Rev Cycles.